So welcome to the forward-looking startup VC panel. Um, so we will talk about investments into maritime startups, and I'm very glad about this exceptional panel we have here. So we have Johan from Colombia, then we have Fabian from Flagship Founders, then we have Stelianos from Loma Labs, Tim from TechPeer, and Hanan from The Dog. Welcome. So my name is Isabel Rickmus. I'm the CEO and founder of Turtle. Uh, that was kindly mentioned before. So we are uh, in crewing, a startup in crewing. If you want, taking care of the S of the ESG. And I'm very happy to, to moderate this panel. So uh, starting off, Johan, you're probably the most corporate investor in this panel. So can you briefly share your investment setup? <laughs> Good question. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me here and, and good afternoon. Even the room is a little bit more empty than before, but uh, okay, that's, that's what it is. Um, maybe as an, en as an entry, it's, it's, I'm, I'm more for the operational, I mean, I'm bringing more the operational expertise uh, from Columbia Ship Management. Uh, I would like to use the opportunity, of course, now to um, introduce or to teaser uh, our launch of uh, our lovely Galactic Beacon Ventures. Uh, December will be the official launch, which is um, our, let's call it, incubator of our, of our maritime services platform or our services platform. Um, and it's, uh, let's say, something we like to set up. We're doing it already quite long, uh, but it's something we like to set up and, uh, and, and, and want to have clients, uh, partners, etc., etc., joining our, um, our ideas of startups, of uh, companies we want to support. Great. Thank you. Um, then going on to Stilianos, actually, um, talking about more the operational side. Stilianos, how corporate are you when it comes to your investment setup? Can you briefly describe your Loma Labs? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so Lomar Labs, for those who haven't heard, we're uh, a venture lab embedded within Lomar Corporation, which sounds pretty corporate, but uh, we actually have complete autonomy uh, in the decisions we make and selecting the startups that we collaborate with. So we have a, an investment committee, which is on our website, uh, three people, myself and, and two colleagues from the group. Um, and beyond that, it's, it's up to us to decide how and where we deploy our, uh, our time and uh, efforts. Yeah. Great, thank you. And then Fabian. Uh, so Flagship Founders has a bit of a different approach being a company builder. Can you briefly describe it? Yeah, yes, for sure. Um, so we are a company builder, or as we call it, a venture studio. And there's a slight difference between venture capital, who are investing in existing startups, we as a venture studio, build the startups by ourselves. That means we go out to the industry, ask for problems and think about digital solutions, how we can solve it, and then we set up the company by ourselves. I think for this round today, that means that I'm wearing two hats here a little bit. For sure, we have to do an investment decision when we say, okay, let's launch a startup, but from this second on, we are very operational, and then we are acting as partners, co-founders of, of this ventures. Um, yeah, and one of the startups you already met today, 044, Friederike Hesse, you, you have seen to uh, this morning. Uh, thank you very much. Hanan, uh, I read on your website you are a vertical venture firm. Can you maybe briefly explain what you're doing? Yes, hi. I'll be happy to do that. And to make it a bit more complex, I'll say that we are an independent vertical venture capital fund 
independent, I'll start with that one, uh, we manage other, other people's money, uh, but we are not tied to one corporate. We are not a subsidiary of a corporate. As a matter of fact, we had to go out and raise money from multiple investors. So in that way, we are independent and we are not actually uh, singing to the hymn of any given one corporate. The vertical bit has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, usually VC funds, which are raising money from multiple investors, they are general purpose funds. They may invest in food tech, in agri-tech, in fintech, and maybe occasionally in technologies that have to do with maritime as well, but they are all over the place. As opposed to that, the DOC uh, is a vertical fund or a thematic fund, and we focus strictly over uh, the maritime sector, which means any startups that attend to any challenges that have to do either with terminal operations, vessel operations, etc. That meant very quickly two things. Most of the investors in our fund are strategic. These are large players from the sector. I'm talking about terminal operators. I'm talking about shipping owners, shipping companies. This goes along with the fact that all the startups we invest in are attending to the sector as well. So this is the vertical bit of that. Thank you very much. And then Tim, TechPeer. So how would you describe your setup then? Happy to. Thank you uh, for being here. It's a pleasure. Um, so TechPeer is a, an early stage venture capital fund. Uh, so very much like the DOC, we are a highly specialized early stage investor. Our focus is also core maritime, but we also like to do logistics and the occasional supply chain management startup. Um, so uh, very similar in, in spirit and in, in practice to, to the DOC. We're actually very happy co-investors in, in several startups already. Um, Three of them, I believe. Indeed, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm very happy, uh, if, I, if I may say, for, for you uh, to be here today, Hanan, as an Israeli-based uh, VC. You can imagine it's not the easiest time uh, for you and your people to, to deal with what's going on at the moment. Uh, and, and you being here, I think, is very commendable and, and, and sort of reflects the spirit of, of that country to, to keep going. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, and in general, this, this panel, I think, is really great reflection of our ecosystem actually, mm -hmm. how it's been developing over the last couple of years with Loma Labs starting earlier this year and now with, uh, as Johanna said, with Columbia formally starting something later this year. It shows there's more and more actors becoming active in the industry uh, somewhere earlier um, and many different facets to it Also, also Innoport here in the audience. Indeed, well. there are like Heyman and Nicholas from Innoport are there. There are some of our startups here in, 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 in the audience. So, yeah, it's been, become a really, really healthy, uh, growing ecosystem over the last couple of years. Great. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, I also aim for becoming more popular as a, as a panel when it comes to startups in VCs. So, but, um, yeah, going directly into the topic. So, we've seen a big drop in VC uh, investments generally um, and also some uh, drop in valuations of tech companies um, on the stock market. So, going back to Tim actually, do you feel that shipping VC uh, was also affected the same way or, or differently? Well, there's uh, obviously on a macro level, everybody has been affected by what's been happening over the last two-ish years in the VC world, meaning that the overall funding environment has calmed down, let's put it this way, significantly, um, but overall in a very good way. Because, because basically what we've seen in 2020 and 2021 was really an excess 
Um, there was a lot of cheap, stupid money flooding the asset class, meaning venture capital in the broadest sense, because it was able to generate, historically speaking, and across asset classes, very outsized returns. And so there was a lot of institutional capital rushing into that asset class and completely inflating expectations, valuations, deal activity, and all of that has really rapidly stopped, and that's a very good thing. Um, now there is still a lot of money in pockets sitting around, but it's being spent way calmer and way slower. So you can now finally have a proper discussion again about due diligence and valuations with startups. It's a good thing for me as an investor. Um, but the more important thing is, and we discussed this uh, yesterday, good stuff keeps getting built. It's not like that this industry or any other industry we've ever seen has a case um, that, that the challenges aren't there anymore, right? Or, or put another way that the opportunity sets aren't there anymore, they still are. It's just now that you do have, again, much calmer waters to operate in. And yeah, there's a lot of really cool teams, good ideas out there to, to fund. Uh, thank you, Tim. So, um, Hanan, when uh, investing as a VC into shipping, what are the peculiarities, especially compared to general VC? Okay, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, uh, on the money raising side, uh, we had to build the right balance between what I said before, strategic investors and financial investors. So that was one challenge to make sure that we have the right balance. Today, we are, I would say about 70% of the funds that we raised are coming from the sector, from strategic. The other 30% are coming from financial organizations. Another thing that uh, we need to realize is that likely it will be difficult to identify what's called the unicorn which addresses the sector. I mean, there will not be, definitely not in the current times, very quickly, startups that are valued at $1 billion or beyond which address just the maritime sector. Uh, this is okay, but, uh, but this is another difference from the general market, I will say. And uh, maybe one more thing that we found out was that uh, not all the players in the sectors were really ready to open up. Many were keeping traditionally the cards close to their chests. Uh, this is changing now, but, 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 but it is coming relatively late to other players in the market. So these are the uniquenesses that we were able to spot. Things and coming back to this uh, unicorn, famous unicorn description, so a startup that is valued one billion. Um, so do you then think that the maritime industry is actually relevant for big international VCs, so general VCs, or, or not really? Hanan, you asking me? Yeah. Okay, I'll say that, uh, uh, yes, I believe that general purpose large VCs find interest in that, but usually they are, not, uh, that they are not coming in early rounds. The early rounds are dominated for the most part, I'll say, by players which are around this table here mm -hmm. and in the audience. I'm talking about the pre-seed money, the first maybe two, three, five million dollars that the startup raises. And then those that are making progress are getting on the radar screen of the large uh, international VCs, which is a good thing because they have deeper pockets and they can support the round A, round B, and the following round as well. Okay, Let you. me perhaps, um, yeah. perhaps add, um, I would like to slice down your question a little bit. I would say um, maritime is definitely relevant for international VCs, Hanan, as you said. But to be honest, I don't see the really big funds investing a lot in maritime because, as, as, as you said, as, as we know, it is very unlikely because of the market size and the revenue pools in maritime 
that there is a unicorn. And to give a little bit of explanation, the big international VC funds have a tendency to grow, to be, get bigger and bigger. They're incentivized by their, um, by their management fee. They have easily 500 million or, or more capital to invest. So it's very unlikely that they're interested in tickets of a million or, or two. So the smaller tickets we right now see very often, often in maritime. And by that, I don't see so much activities by the really big funds, Sequoia, SoftBank, you, you know them in, in maritime right now. I can agree, they haven't called me yet. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, so going then to Stilianos, um, talking about startups. So do you believe that industry know-how is actually relevant for starting a startup in the industry? And why yes or maybe why not? Yeah, so um, it depends what uh, kind of startup we're talking about. And I think what uh, the gentleman just mentioned uh, applies really to tech startups in, in the software sense. Uh, which is not really something we can claim as a shipping industry that we have know-how. Obviously, we, we use software, but so does the rest of the world. And in this sense, uh, we're not necessarily a super interesting in, uh, market size for, for larger VCs. But when you think of technology in the broader sense of hardware, uh, ships and uh, transportation, like we have heard today, um, there's definitely a lot of change coming our way. Um, ships will be transformed in the years to come. And this is all technology that's going to be built in part by startups and in part by uh, existing players who may also absorb some of these startups. So there we're talking about larger numbers, a larger volume. Uh, I think there might be more interested uh, VCs, large international VCs might be more interested in, in shipping. Um, so yeah, I think that definitely there's a, there's a place for uh, developing new technology on the hardware sense, and this is what we do at Lomar Labs. We work with startups that develop uh, hardware, not so much software. This is what we can offer. We have the know-how as a ship owner and operator of ships. We know how to run ships, how to destroy ships, what not to do with them, um, and we can advise a startup um, you know, with these things. And then when you think of the shipping industry, it's a very peculiar industry. It's all familiar to us uh, in this room, but to someone who's coming from you know, the tech world that maybe was a, a serial entrepreneur with um, you know, a, a previous company that successfully exited from a I don't know, medical tech or something. Um, the laws that apply to shipping don't necessarily apply to the rest of the world. So someone needs to explain to these people how things work here. And uh, we, we spend a lot of our time doing this. So thanks to Janos. Going now to Johan, do you, do you, or you probably agree on, on what Stilianos just said, that the the know-how uh, in shipping is uh, very relevant for a starting a startup or also investing into it. Uh, I I, to I totally agree. I, I would I would say that especially because uh, the maritime industry is quite complex and it's a wide sector. I mean, you need to know you need to know your garden, uh, and and it's all about uh, to be honest, it's all about partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, there's a there's somebody who knows tech. It's not necessarily that this somebody knows the shipping industry as well. Um, looking, at, uh, looking at us as a ship manager, the, the, 
wide things we need to know, we need to cope with already, regulatory, technology, etc., etc., is already huge. Uh, and only with, with know-how and, and, and partnership and, and a kind of a network, it's, it's doable, let's put it this way. Hanan, do you agree? Yes, I agree. We, we typically like to see startups with uh, not just one founder, but maybe two or three founders. And the best uh, setup for the founders will be for one to have domain expertise, which is important. Maybe another one to own the technology, CTO-like, somebody to know business. So this is the best uh, makeup. And uh, I will say that in our mind, domain expertise is important on one hand, but sometimes the innovation comes from out-of-the-box thinking, mm. from people that are smart people, intelligent, they look at the problem and they come up with a unique out-of-the-box solution for that. So, so that's a plus sometimes, the fact that the team is not uh, uh, wholly comprised of, uh, of domain experts. Yeah. May, may, I, may I add, I mean, I think also about, about partnership. I think if, if you put two partners, three partners together and there's a, there's a basic idea, uh, you also have the chance with the market knowledge and, and with the inside knowledge to fine-tune the product, the idea, much more having the insight from the end user, something like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I think also um, not only shipping know-how, but coming from the industry uh, has some advantages given that uh, what sometimes it's said that the industry is a bit of a closed shop, so, you know, you need to know your way around and you need to know um, the people, but you know, in reality, how closed is the shop? Fabian, what do you think? It's closed. <laughs> um, no, at the end, that's one of the reasons why we, why we started Flagship Founders three and a half years ago. Um, and it's connected to what we, what we said before, industry know-how and access to, to knowledge in this industry. Um, I think overall, it is very hard for outsiders to get access to this industry, to understand the processes. Um, and um, we are a Berlin-based company um, with a certain chance of success. I can lock myself with goat developers and develop an e-commerce shop or a pizza, de pizza delivery. It's absolutely unrealistic to develop a UETS management um, system for the maritime world in this, this way. And we thought, okay, let's build a venture studio where, where we can bring to, together best of both worlds. Maritime expertise, shipping, shipping companies on the one hand side, and and tech people, VC people on the other hand side. So, given you have seen uh, out of your uh, CV, so you've seen um, other industries. Would you say that shipping is particularly close shop? Overall, yes. I, you know, I don't know every B two B industry worldwide, but I would say yes. What I have to say, when you have a kind of foot in the door or people, a person introducing you. Um, that was very, very surprisingly for me to see how open the people are. So my job is to, to ask shipping companies or people from the industry, what is your problem? Let's think about your problems and let's, let's think about digital solutions. And after an introduction, it was very, very interesting for me to see how open the people are. Sometimes it was even like, ah, finally there's a person asking. <laughs> Here's my list. Um, that was very interesting to see, yeah. Okay. Um... So, uh, talking about go-to-market strategy, um, uh, having said that it's a bit of a, a closed shop, so is there uh, an ideal go-to-market strategy in maritime, or, um, or and is there some available? And maybe you can share a unique uh, experience um, asking Stylianos in that case. Yeah, I'm not going to proclaim to have found the formula, but uh, taking it from... Uh 
a statistical, scientific point of view, there's a, there's a certain distribution in how people adopt new technologies. And you know, we mentioned earlier that very few people uh, stayed in the room for this, uh, for this panel. Typically, 15% are roughly interested in innovations. So I think what's interesting is to, to find, <laughs> you know, uh, to look in this room and find that 15% of ship owners who see new technology as an opportunity to not only benefit financially, but also in other ways uh, to, to improve their service, their product, um, their reputation. Um, and so they're more likely to listen to the startups or to be willing to try things out. Um, and this is also what we do. And the other thing is that shipping is a very uh, risk-conscious industry. Um, I'll explain on that, but the go-to-market strategy would be find that 15%, try to get them on board, and then move on with the rest of the people who will happily join once they know it works and it's not going to um, jeopardize their, their interests. And uh, what I mentioned of uh, risk uh, consciousness, sometimes I hear that shipping is risk-averse and we don't want to take risks. Um, I completely disagree with this because shipping has always been a risky business. Common maritime adventure is still the definition for what a voyage is. And um, I think it's more out of risk saturation that most people uh, in shipping companies don't want to take on yet another new technology or something new because it's like, oh no, we have all these uncertainties, so the things we know, we need to trust and keep them the way they are. Um, so you shouldn't change anything until you're certain it's not going to make you lose face or uh, run into trouble or whatever else the, the case may be. Uh, so a lot of what we do is trying to de-risk technology so that it gets to a stage where we can trust it and then we can happily use it. So that's a very long answer to your question, but hopefully it does it. Any comments? I, I have one. Uh, I have one. I, I think I agree with you. Uh, um, I was talking about this on, on different panels. Uh, I think personally, I think it's a it's a it's a generation thing. I think it's changing. I think shipping shipping is is, is opening a little bit more, and and I'm the one always used to say that um, if for the new generation we have to make we have to make shipping sexy again, or at least now. Uh, uh, because there's a lot of a lot of movements. People are opening up, um, um, uh, definitely. Unfortunately, and I have to add to to the network and the closed shop. Uh, I think that's that's a major problem. I think that's that's also looking at the Ham, at Hamburg. It's a it's a major problem and, and an unfortunate situation because it is a small market here, uh, and there's a kind of internal competition. Uh, you're having a talk. You're signing an NDA first which is actually not really necessary because everybody can benefit from the things developing now. And, and, and I think the generation change the, the, will, will bring the change, I guess. Yeah, and maybe a bit sharing the, the startup perspective. We are talking about closed shop. One thing is there are also different devils in the companies, right? So one thing is um, when it comes to adoption is the management level, which I think I rather easy to, to be convinced of efficiency or any kind of innovation and the operational levels which have worked for years with a you know specific uh, way um, I think this is actually the bigger hurdle because the, the 
you know, change management or the translation of what does this mean if we apply something into the operational department. That's actually the big work, not just saying, you know, yeah, we, we try it out. So I think also, uh, in my view, for innovation and shipping, there's still a bit of way to go. But um, uh, what I also see is that there are more and more companies. I mean, Johan, you just uh, said uh, about your galactic launch. So uh, I, th I think there are more and more companies who start also corporate VCs. So to, you know, given that they earned very well in the last year, so they, they want to diversify and, you know, spur this innovation. And so the question is, do you think that this current development of, you know, the corporates actually starting their CVC outfits will actually spur further or uh, speed up the innovation process uh, within the shipping industry? Hanan. Yeah, I, I, I believe that the corporate supporting a, a given startup is a good start for that startup. But uh, uh, usually what we see when a corporate VC invests or, or supports a startup, there is a gateway uh, in that corporate VC or the innovation team, but very quickly they need to get to the business line, to the business owner within the organization. And they are not very patient, these guys. And uh, they give a chance. Sometimes they have to give a chance because they were instructed to do that. Uh, but, uh, but they are ready to call the bluff. So if anything, it shortens very much the process. The startup has a limited window to actually deliver on the promise. And if they do well, then that's a great thing to accelerate things. If they don't do well and they get burnt, it will be very difficult to return again to that organization. So I believe that the support by corporate VCs is something that helps the startups the startup and, and, and puts a lot of pressure to deliver of, of everything that was promised beforehand. Let me perhaps add one, one thing. Um, we have really, really great experience with um, corporate corporations, especially in early stage phase of our, of our ventures. An interesting thing is that you always have to be careful about balancing the individual customer needs and scalability of the product. So uh, from a software perspective, it's always important that you build a um, products scalable for other customers that you don't have to adjust it while when you focus on one development partner or two development partners and you're going too deep into their individual needs you're losing losing scalability which is an yeah interesting trade-off I think yeah uh, yeah and and do you also think when you I agree with Hanan also about the, the opportunity that you have when you team up with a corporate in order also to you know test uh, um, uh, your idea and um, how big is the danger that you're kind of then locked with this, given that, you know, we still have industry players who say, okay, if this one is in there and maybe don't want to, you know, use this technology. So the question is like, how big is the cooperation actually between the companies or are you locking yourself when you go with one big corporate? Johan. So if you invest in a startup from your new VC, what... First of all, looking at... Looking at uh, uh, a galactic peaking, I can say the, the, the plan and the idea and how we do it up to now without galactic peaking is a little bit more different and I'm coming back to the partnership. Um, there's no, I would say that of, of course there is a kind of a pressure on, on, on the investment and on the startup, but uh, if we as, as, as the Columbia Group are investing and, and supporting startups, we are looking into a partnership uh, and we are looking first and foremost for values for Columbia, for the group, for the platform, and of course for our clients. Uh, their assets uh, uh, and their operational values. Um, we have, uh, and that's the fortunate situation, we are, with Scholler Holdings, we are owners as well. 
So we have the opportunity, looking at technology, startups, etc. we have the opportunity to have test fields and test beds and, and uh, um, playgrounds for the startups, the partners in our own fleet. Um, and as in a proper partnership, there is time to grow. Um, coming to a later stage that you are kind of locked up, again, I have to say, I see it differently out of expertise mm -hmm. because we have certain partnerships where there are different clients and even competitors in. So yeah. I, I think, and then we are again on this closed shop of shipping. Uh, I think that's breaking up. Uh, and I think the value out of the startup, out of the venture, out of the technology is much more important than, um, than anything else. And you always are able now uh, to build Chinese walls, to protect data. You, you have to protect data. Um, so I, I, don't see a close, I don't see a close business there, to be honest, if you are doing... Uh, if you are going with corporate uh, VCs. Okay. Jim? Well, I, I, generally, I, I agree. I mean, in, in, it's all about finding the right partners, and that, that, that very much depends on, on the individual startup and their particular business model and, and use case. And in general, it's always, always good to have corporates in there early, uh, it's just a question of how you do that. Um, and that doesn't necessarily always mean it's a good thing to have a corporate in there as an investor. Um, there are some really good corporate VCs out there that you can have, take on, on board very early, but they're also the ones, maybe not such a good idea. Um, sometimes it's for, for, for the way they operate, sometimes it's just for the mere signaling of it to the rest of the market in terms of who else do I want to win as a customer who might like that to see such a player uh, as an investor in my startup or not. Uh, I mean, all of us here on this panel, I think, are very much concerned with how can we help startups in this industry. And that obviously, a major part of that is figuring out how to bring them in touch with corporates, open the right doors, help them how to go to market, um, um, uh, yeah, how to obviously tweak their, their business model, um, 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 improve their product, all that. Um, it can take many different shapes and forms. Um, and so you always want to work closely with the industry, but you always have to weigh for every individual startup what is the right mix of partners at, at a given stage. Yeah. And that, so, Tim, the startups that you see and the founders that you see, do you see them mostly coming from out of the industry or close to the industry or also completely? Uh, no, it's more like... the. the what we usually see, um, as to what Hanan said earlier, um, ideally, and, and most often that is the case, you have someone with uh, expertise from the industry, so with a, with a very strong industry background, um, and sometimes it's just people from the, from the industry, but often, and that's for us the ideal setup as well, um, you have then also people from outside the industry, uh, typically then also with a technical background, um, and, um, and, and that makes for a very healthy core founding team um, to, to, yeah, to, to make it in this industry. Yeah. But maybe also to, 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 an, to an earlier point, um, in terms of where, how close is the industry and where are we, and Maritime is certainly, has been fairly late to, to the game of venture capital and startups, it's, but it's also not the latest industry. There are others who are even more behind. Uh, it's, it's uh, the general challenges 
facing this industry, like in so many others, they're, they're the same, really, I, I would, on a meta level, I would argue. Um, I, I always like to, to, like to say that it's, it's really about uh, um, for the industry to realize how big of an opportunity it is, not just in terms of improving operations and, and adopting new technology, but on a very fundamental cultural level. Um, in terms of how do I see my organization today within this industry and what kind of capabilities do I want to develop as a company, as an organization over a 10, 20 year lifetime, at time span, not lifetime. <laughs> um, and startups, I truly believe, can be a very powerful partner helping you as an organization to develop new capabilities to shape your company culture by working closely with such organizations because they show you very new relevant ways of, of doing things, of, of how to see things differently. Um, and that's something that goes way beyond the, 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 the mere financial or technical operational benefits that you might, that you might see. And about, so staying with Tim for a moment, and about uh, the adoption of the innovations of working with the startups, what was actually, so within the portfolio that you have, maybe you can share, like in which cases, um, you know, the adoption was great or in which cases it was not and it's, why? It's, it's all over. You have, I mean, where you're selling on a per vessel basis, you can see some very incremental growth patterns, but you, we also have a case that's, that's these are all or nothing. Yeah, you have for years, you are looking at a, at a flat line of, of zero revenue. I mean, that at least was the, the key um, KPI to, to measure a growth or success of a startup. It's certainly not the, the best or the only one to look at. The last two years were only about that. Um, but now it's, it's back to other metrics as well. But you know, we do see everything. The important thing about startups is, and that's why I think it's so hard um, to, to, to deal with them at times, it's you're not looking at linear you're not looking at, at linear developments. You're looking at, from a zero to one perspective, at exponential patterns. So it's our job to figure out where are exponential developments possible in the broadest sense. And to put it very starkly, one of our portfolio companies has been on the market for over five years, zero revenue. I mean, we haven't been invested for five years, but this company has been around for five years now, zero revenue. And people would say, well, it's god-awful. What do I care if they have a huge potential in the next year to take off, uh, which I personally believe, by the way. Um, and uh, it, it goes to, can go to huge volumes and, and huge potential, right? So it's, it's a tricky thing to, to, to judge startups always sort of on the same metrics or same scale. You really have to differentiate on the individual cases. Thank you. That, that brings me to a very interesting point, the experience sharing about your investments. So looking at Hanan, so would you share actually um, some of the like, very good investment decisions and maybe one that were maybe uh, retrospectively not so good and, uh, and, and the why? Okay, you're getting me in harm's way, <laughs> but uh, I'll cope with the question. So uh, good, good investments, I'll say, first of all, what are the characteristics from the investment point of view of a good investment? This is a case that we came, that we came early on. We were able to identify an opportunity where they still immediately after what's called friends and family round when they were looking to raise money from outside for the first time. So this is the case like that. Obviously, assuming they did well and that we were well positioned to do a follow-on investment in a successful company. So this would be, generally speaking, a case 
of a, of a good investment. Early on, identifying the opportunity, making the first investment, company grows, and then we have the chance to do a follow-on or a double-up type of investment. Examples of that, I'll say, drop some names, uh, Orca in the autonomous uh, vessel uh, uh, business, uh, uh, Wave BL, bill of lading, electronic bill of lading, uh, even Harbor Lab that we invested in, co-invested in together with TechPeer. So these are cases of such investments. On the not so good investments, I'm not gonna mention names, but I'll say a case which was burnt very deep inside the dock and we use it as an example. This is the case that we listened to a startup and we built our own idea about where the startup is going and we fell in love with the concept. Only that was not really where the startup aimed at going. I mean, they said many things that they are going to accomplish. One of them was the point that we really liked. From that point on, we learned not to fall in love with something that we hear and make sure that we really understand where is the main thrust of the startup. Because they are, saying, they are saying things to please everybody. You know, when they need to raise money, they do this and they do that, and you ask them about the third no. thing. <laughs> right, you can't believe that, huh? <laughs> so we, so we, we, we learn to make sure that we do not fall in love with our interpretation of what they were doing and then parting ways along, along the way in them going in a different direction and us pressing about, hey, you remember you told us this and that, and after three times reminding them, we realized this will never happen. So this was the case where we had to write off the investment. Thank you for your openness. Anyone else? Too early to tell, probably. We haven't, so far, we haven't had to, to do that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say, but um, that's actually just a matter of time. So I'm 100% sure that we will have to write off investments because that's the business we're in. We're not in the business of in, in investing in stuff uh, uh, and expecting all of these investments to work. Um, we're in the business of investing in scalable, exponential growth companies. And um, uh, that's the whole point of venture capital. It's, it's, it's driven by the power law. Um, and we're... we're, we're there's many benefits to this approach, apart from from learning and 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 and, and uh, yeah, learning a lot from from doing it this way. It's also the best way to achieve is, uh, uh, the proper financial uh, returns. So we have one minute fifty five seconds to go. Uh, Let's do the very controversial stuff now, <laughs> yes. very quickly. Are there questions from the from the audience actually? don't see so far so maybe we can um, finish off with a with a wish statement for 2024 so uh, looking at your business what would you wish for the industry to do change whatever for for next year it's a bit of a surprise question so we need to give them some thinking time work with startups you know I mean I think for many companies it, it makes sense to to figure out a way to, to how to, to, to work with, with young players from the industry. Because, I mean, as we've heard during the day, it's, it's a lot of challenges, a lot of big Ds uh, hitting us. Uh, decarbonization, digitalization, uh, decoupling, uh, uh, decentralization of supply chains. Um, so there's a lot of change afoot. Um, and startups are never the only answer to that question, obviously but they're definitely an integral part and a growing part to address all these challenges. Uh, it's 
what you see in all kinds of other industries too, sometimes way ahead of the shipping industry there. And um, yeah, I can only encourage everyone to, to, to figure out the, the right ways how to work uh, together with startup companies. Perhaps now, now your wish went a little bit in this direction. Perhaps I'm, I'm making a wish in more our direction here. What, what, what we see a lot and what I would like to wish for is that maritime investors in startups um, got more transparent and perhaps speed up. That's what we see when we compare with industry outsider investors and that they're very often clearer structures, more transparency and way more speed. So that would be my, my wish to the industry. Anything to add or openness? Add something. I yes. think, yeah, we I would love to see more collaboration uh, because when working with startups, it's all about sharing the risk and doubling the brain power to help them succeed. So the more uh, people bring down their walls, shipping companies bring down their walls, this is what we have done, allow these young teams to come in, not necessarily young by age, um, come in and work with them, work with others, share. Um, we're not yet competing on startups. So you know, there's, there's no harm in just everybody helping uh, solve these problems together. I think Nicolas ordered the drilling machine now because we are one minute over. Okay, so no, <laughs> no wishes anymore, Nicolas. So thank you very much for the panel and your interesting insights and thank everyone for joining. <laughs>